Hello, hello, and welcome to episode four of the Beehive Jive. This is a beekeeping podcast based here in South London, hosted by Tracy and Paul. Um, this episode, we're going to discuss what you need to do if you want to start beekeeping. Uh, it's an amazing hobby, and if you start well, you'll you'll do it forever. If you don't start well, <laughs> you'll get stung and stop. Um, mm. Hello, Tracy. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hi, Paul. Hello. <laughs> So we may as well start with uh, what you're doing in your apiary. Yes. Well, it's interesting because the weather has... Spring has sprung. Spring has really sprung, like properly, more so than last time we podcasted. It was snowing. Which was actually called Spring has sprung. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think because we had a cold winter here in the southeast, the bees have just... Re- I mean, there's been a bee explosion in my apiary. So I've got 14 by 12 jumbo Big box colonies box. with kind of seven, eight frames of brood, which obviously is emergency. All the alarm bells are ringing in my head. Um, so, yeah, you know, lots of Have lots you had to bees. rush to make your uh, swarm kit? Or have you not made any yet? You just... My swarm kit is a cardboard box. <laughs> <laughs> which I've used for some time and I looked at it the other day and it's got all bits of old wax where they um, swarms have started building brace comb in it. So I'm going to treat myself to a clean cardboard box and a new sheet, which I bought from a charity shop, and that is my swarm collection kit. Having said that, I clip my queens so I don't often collect swarms. It's usually other people's swarms that I'm collecting but yeah they're doing really well and so I'm I'm trying to control them to stop them swarming um and best of all there's honey there so strong spring flow this year and I actually think I'm going to get a proper what do you think you're getting that off though what are they feeding on is that dandelion there's loads and loads of dandelion um where I am and there's I mean there's lots of stuff I mean the chestnuts aren't out yet um but you know, to be honest, there's such a diversity of forage up there, even at this time of year, that I they're they're making they're making honey. You used they're to think there busy. wasn't it, though. I know it was. It's really funny. You used to it's say, show, oh, I don't think I've got enough forage. Well, I I started feeding them pollen patties, um, and as it turns out, I, there's absolutely no need. And the irony is, the ones in my garden, which is a suburban environment, they do need feeding pollen. But my rural bees don't. Not that rural. No, but it's it's fields and gardens. <laughs> definition massive big garden centres. How are yours doing? Well, it's interesting because mine are probably what, ten miles away from where yours are, so they're slightly behind where yours Actually, are. Actually, yeah, it's, 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 it's colder where you're slightly are. colder. Well, mm. so they they're just outside a place called Red Hill in South England, which is. Um, Whenever you see the weather forecast, Red Hill is the coldest part of southeast of England. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> Don't live in Red Hill. Actually, it's cold. Yeah. So I'm going to see them this afternoon, but they, they, they've all made it through winter. They've all got brood. Um, so they're doing okay. So I've reversed the boxes because I keep mine on two boxes. So what I found is the box at the bottom over winter, they just picked them clean. So they're, it's all empty, free, clean comb. Um, the top boxes, and one of them particularly is still packed in honey. So they're trying to lay in the box that's got the most honey, but they don't seem to be going down into the 
new stuff. I guess because it's uh, there's not enough bees, the clusters on the brood. Yeah. So I've reversed the boxes. So I've put the empty stuff on top. So hopefully they'll go up into that, and you'll get a more uh, elongated cluster. Um. So I'm doing that. So I'm fattening them up for queen room, which will start the end of May. Begin the May. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. You bought your Lego, haven't you? you got your I bought my bee Lego. Lego. <laughs> you got all your bits for Queen Rouge. I have, and I've, I, I'm really going to do it properly. The Ben Harden method, is that right? Queen Wright method. Queen yeah. Wright method, yeah. Yes. Which I got off the apiarist blog. He described yeah, it really that's well. That's the National Bee Unit. So, yeah, so you split the, you get two boxes, two brood boxes. You mm-hmm. separate them by a queen excluder. You put all the brood above the queen excluder and you put the queen below the queen excluder you put a frame of pollen in there you put your graphs next to the frame of pollen and they build all the queen cells out and then you can move them to mating use benefit being you don't have to make up a cell raising nuke you yeah. can do it on a production hive yeah that that i thought was really interesting because i've heard a lot of people say that Whichever hive you use for queen rearing, um, it's really going to affect its production. But he's saying actually it's appropriate. It's only if you take the bees out. So the, the benefit yeah. of the queen queen right method, that method, what I like about it is when you move the queen below, she just carries on laying. She doesn't actually seem to care mm. that they're raising queens, mm. right? The obviously downside of it is you have to, if you get caught up and you have to, you know, you can't you can't get there on time, and they all hatch. You're you're in trouble, right? So, yeah. um, I've got a little spreadsheet that tells me what days I need to do stuff. So once they're so once the cell's sealed, about two or three days after, I go and cage them, and then I move them to mating nukes. Mm. But yeah, I've got the cages as well. What cages? You know that you put around the queen cells. Yeah, yeah I've got those. Yeah, I mean, I'm just this is all new to me. I'm so excited. But he does say work and social diary don't come into it when you're rearing queens. You have to be there. If you want it to work, you've got to be there on the day. Yes. Um, So I I like the preciseness of it. Oh, yeah, it's It's a recipe. So exactly. It's a recipe. Yeah, I'm really. Yeah, it's good. And once you, because we'll do grafting, which is. Well, can I just say, you know, you gave me that Chinese grafting tool to right, kind of yeah. play around with. Broken it. <laughs> I was, I was at the, I can't remember where, and I was asked to sign something. It was in the pocket <laughs> of my jacket, and I brought it out <laughs> to sign. This thing was in the bank. Yeah, a deposit, <laughs> I, and I had to. And I thought it was a pen. I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> You could see the cashier just kind of looking at me, and you, you know, you sometimes you find yourself saying. I'm so sorry. I'm a beekeeper. <laughs> you're, so, you're so posh. You're using a goose quill. I'm to so sign sorry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, this doesn't write. It just bends. What's wrong with it? Um, You've got a pot of ink I could dip it in. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of other funny things about queen rearing, it really makes me laugh. I know this is it's probably not that funny, but to me it is because I've got a really basic sense of humour, um, is the fat dummies that you have that he says, you know, when you're when you put a brood box above the queen excluder, like you said, with the frame of queen cells and frames of pollen on either side. Yeah. You make up these massive big dummies. Oh, fat dummies. Yeah, put bother. on either side. But he like he was saying, it it helps the bees to not get distracted by that space. I don't bother. They're massive, like they're these yeah, massive. I know, yeah. So they're, they're 
I'm going to make one. What a fat dummy. Two. Yeah, I'm going to make two fat dummies. <laughs> so, yeah, so so they use those so you don't have to fill out the box with brood frames. But I do. I just move all the brood into the top box. Oh, I see. So I don't. Okay. So, so, and then I give the, you know, the bees, in, I, I move all the empty frames in the bottom box, put the queen in there so she can carry on laying. So it only, it only impacts, the thing that impacts the production hives when you're queen rearing is if you take the bees out and use them in the nukes. Yeah. So that's where you, 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 you so the benefit of this method, that's why I like it, right? Because you can use your strongest hive to raise your queen cells. Uh, and then you can go to a hive that is kind of, you, you, you're probably not going to keep and mm. use the bees out of that to raise, to actually mate the queens. Mm. So you don't lose any, you know, vigor out of those big strong hives mm. I, I mean it seems like an ideal method for for my situation it's good for small yeah mm, yeah exactly yeah i think if you're raising if i had 10 queens i'd be very happy yeah. with that i think if you're raising hundreds of hundred yeah you probably use a different system yeah but grafting's cool that's easy once you once you work it out it's easy <laughs> i want you practice with the grafting tool just walk around dipping it on things <laughs> That's the key. The key of the Chinese grafting tool is the tool does the graft. You don't have to scoop it, and a lot of people trying to use it like a like a spoon. Yeah. You, you just press it, don't you? Yeah, it's got a, like a filament, and you 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 slide that down the wall of the cell, and it just naturally curls under mm. under the, the the lava, and then you can pick it up. And what I like about it compared to some of the other models, what are like little spoons. You, you sort of put them in, and you scoop them up. Is a Chinese. Graft tool's got the little plunger that pushes the graft, pushes the, the lava into the graft. So you because mm. it sticks. Mm. So I like them. I think they're very easy. They're really cheap. You buy buy them by the by thirty or because what you tend to find is um, some just fall apart. That's because they're so cheap. <laughs> yeah, and I wouldn't want to use a brush. I mean, I would feel less confident. I mean, I know lots of people do, and it yeah. works for them. But I, I would feel less confident at this point. You find what's uh, what works for you. Some people absolutely because you know, Mark does, you know, our friend Mark he uses a different system. He uses the uh, I can't remember what's the name of the system where you cut a zigzag in the bottom of the frame to get them to. Oh, that's right. I don't know. Yeah, so he cuts the frame with lava in it to stimulate raising queen cells. There's loads of different ways of doing it. So I'm doing that, and uh, this afternoon I've got a hive that I'm going to move, so I'm going to take it out of the brew box. At the moment, it's in, it's in two different size brew boxes for whatever reason. So I'm going to take it out. It happens. I'm going to put them into a big nuke, mm. poly nuke. Uh, I'm going to leave it there for a week and I'm going to go back uh, and shake whatever bees have been born in the old hive into the new hive and then move it. And then that hive, that, that side near the, where I keep my bees near the lake, I'm going to clean that up and move it all down. I was going to ask you yeah, what you were doing with that. And then... Because that's a trek. It is a trek. For you across it, those it fields. Yeah. It's so beautiful there. But... Yes. I was lulled into the wall. very uneven. <laughs> so when, when I saw it, he said, well, you can put wherever you want in my land. And I walked over to these lakes. Oh, this is brilliant. It's beautiful. But um, it takes like 10 minutes, 10, 20 minutes to walk to the hive. You can't yeah. drive because if you drive your car or truck over there... And uh, when you come back, it's surrounded by cows. So, so the first time I did it, drove my car there. They they licked one of the mirrors off the car. 
It was just hanging off with these big lick on it. And they it was, do that. They lick things, don't they? I got licked nose. by cows once really? on a walk. It really frightened me, yeah. They are nosy, big <laughs> Apparently they get to that age where they lick things, but, yeah, they're quite... They're nosy. Yeah. They're kind of, what are you doing? So, you know, I came back. My car was surrounded by about 50 <laughs> cows. Um, Is that the car you've got now? No, it was my, <laughs> it was my Golf. So when I brought it home, my, my, I parked it in, in my drive and my son came out. What's happened to your car? And I told him, but he, was, he laughed for about two days. Because you could see where the, the tongue mark had gone across the bodywork. So it, was like, it looked like someone had got a paintbrush, dipped it in Glue. slime. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, so after that, I, yeah, you know, I've got four before now, I just don't bother because it's like, well, I just don't like, I don't no, like clean my No, you've got a nice cars. car now. You so, don't want cars looking no, things off that. So doing that. And then um, in a week or two, there's a hive on that land that isn't mine. Actually, there's two. Are they the WBCs? Yeah, they're the, the, the traditional hives, and they're kind of in the woods, and they haven't been touched for about 10 years, and they've got loads of bees in it, so I'm going to go and nick them all and put them into nukes. Although I may open it and find it such a mess that I don't want to do it. You did say that I could come you can with come you. come and help me do that. For that bit. That's that's exciting. I've never done that before. You never know what you might bee find. Bee rescue. could be like a present. We could start a TV show. Bee An rescue. animal bee rescue. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it's good the season started. It's still a little mm. bit, it's not it's too warm to do full no. inspections and things. I think the night's... I was saying to you earlier, it's, it's, in, it's a night temperature. Yeah. So at the moment, even though it's warm during the day, at night it drops. It does six, drop right down. Yeah, and they all cluster. But, and it's going to get cooler next week in the southeast. Yeah. Um, but I think that actually that's what that they've expanded, but it, it's maybe the kind of temperature differential is what's stopping them from swarming. Um, I mean, there will be... I've I've had to do an artificial swarm, well, nuke the queen on one of the colonies. Um, but I I, re- I do think that that big difference between day and do night. Queen cells? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Have you got drones? Yeah, actually, I've got a- adult drones. Okay. In most Mine. of my colonies now. I've only got one colony that's got drones in it, just a little bit. And then you, one of my nukes has got just a little line of drones. But it's, it's, it is colder, as you were saying. Yeah, it's a bit colder. You I think I'm probably a, a week or two behind you, behind you in terms of development. But it's going well. I'm very happy so far. There's no surprises. None of them died. I think it's been a good, a really good start to the season. And I, I think you're right. We mustn't kind of get lulled into this full sense of security that, hey, this is it. Spring's here. Because... Yeah, it's it is going to get colder well, I next said it, week. Last year, this time it was snowing. Yeah, <laughs> so. but the weather this week has been a lot be- a lot better than they said on Country File <laughs> on <laughs> Sunday night. And oh, I've got this rubbish weather app. I need to sort that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think beekeepers get obsessed with the weather at this time of year. I do. I look at the BBC website every day. The weather website and it gives you the ten day forecast. So, oh, okay. So I know. You know, I know this afternoon it's going to be hottest at four o'clock, so that's when I'm going to go. Absolutely. So, so anyway, so that's what we're doing. So what we thought we'd do this episode is talk about things you'd probably want to do if you want to start beekeeping, because it's quite daunting. However, especially here in, in the United Kingdom, there is just so much support if you want to start mm. um, 
keeping bees. So just my, my story was how I got into beekeeping is they started keeping bees at work. And no, I didn't know that. Yeah, so they started keeping, I, I was working at time for uh, a really big technology company. And they, and they wanted to keep, uh, they decided to keep bees on the roof and they were running a free course. And I thought that'd be good. I wouldn't mind doing that. But then I realised I didn't really want to drive two hours each way to do a beekeeping course at our, our labs. So I, I looked locally, and that's when I discovered the British Beekeepers Association and the literally hundreds of branches. So where we sit now, there's at least four different beekeeping yeah, associations that we could, could join. join. Yeah. Mm. So there's loads of support out there. So so we're going to just talk through some of the things you probably want to consider or do if you want to take up this incredible hobby of beekeeping. So where should people start, Tracy? I think that people should start by asking themselves why they want to do it. Because, I mean, you, you said it's daunting. It should be It should be daunting. I, I think that if if people have a really casual attitude to it, maybe they need to rethink it because it's not just a casual, easygoing hobby. I think it's fair to say it's pretty full on. It's a steep learning curve. You're never in control of the bees. <laughs> it's like playing chess with someone who's much better than you. Maybe that's just me. That obviously says a lot about me. But, you know, it's and, – and also it's not the cheapest hobby that no, you could it choose. Is shockingly expensive sometimes. Even, you know, even if you're a joiner and you can make your own beehives and everything and get all the bee space right, it's not cheap. And so it requires real dedication. You can't just go away for two weeks – in in june may june and and leave your colonies it's 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 they are livestock you have to treat them like you would yeah. a herd of cows well <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um so it's it's a serious business but that is why i love it because it's not just you know it's it offers so many opportunities for learning they are just the most fascinating amazing creatures i mean you know every, just seeing them gives me joy and watching them on the comb all doing their waggle dances like mad like they were yesterday um so you know i think th the things that make it a serious hobby are also the things that can give a lot of pleasure except for the spending money bit but <laughs> you do get to buy nice things as well yeah actually the, the equipment stuff is so that's really, I think, the, the sort of first stage would be join your local club because um, I know I know most people's when they look at doing something, the first thing they do is Google it. But if you Google beekeeping, you'll get so many different opinions. You will never be able that is get, so get true. Grass, right, so you need to get face to face with beekeepers. Go and join a local club. Mm. They're really, really open. They're, they're free to join. Just go and join them, and then you'll see different types of beekeepers using different types of equipment different methods some will treat some won't treat some will some will keep them in box hives some will keep them in long hives you'll get to see the whole range of different ways of doing it mm. and that'll give you a really good idea of how you want to keep bees um what i would say is when you start really try and keep bees like everybody else <laughs> so um there's loads of different methods of keeping bees but if you're if you're learning, you kind of want to keep a method where other people are um, 
how other people are doing it so that they can help you they can share kit they can swap kit if you say you've got a certain problem you've got the same reference point mm. and then once you know the basics you can go and keep bees however you want right you can go and keep them in different ways so join a club that would be my number one tip yeah i i agree i think um i mean in my case i knew i wanted to do it i've always wanted to do it and i did two courses before I actually got my bees. I did a theory course over winter. Then I did a practical course in Because you went on spring. a commercial course, didn't you? I, I joined the local beekeeping association and did the sort of course they run, but you actually went on a professionally. I did, yeah. And, and I really, because I, I didn't know what was involved. And it's not that I was, I mean, I knew I wanted to do it, as I said, but I wanted to make sure I did it right from the start and that I knew what I was getting into because, I mean, having a hive of bees in your garden you know, you're never going to have just one hive. Well, you might for a few months of the year, but you'll have a swarm hive and then you'll probably have to make up a nuke. So, you know, in terms of managing your relationship with your partner, <laughs> I think it's good to know what you're getting into. Um, not to mention the beekeeping equipment in the dining room, but we won't go there. Um, so that was, that was really good. And then I met people. In fact, all the people, most of the people I did the course with, then joined the same beekeeping association as oh, me. Okay. And they're the people who I'm still friends with. And then, you know, you kind of, you meet Mark and you meet Kirsty, people who are keeping, who we all have different street strengths and weaknesses. We get together, we, you know, inspect each other's hives and it really, it's about learning and being with other beekeepers and thinking, oh, well, their bees are at this stage. How does that compare with mine? Yeah. And just picking up little techniques and stuff. Um, so, yes, do do a course before you get the bees. In fact, I did two, I did three courses. I did a day course with Brian McCullum, who's a seasonal bee inspector, I think, in this area. Um, which, which was really, really good. And then I did the six-week courses, Theory and Practical. Um, and then I got my bees in June. Um, I got two nukes from the people that I did the course with, which was East Surrey Bees, yeah. actually. They were brilliant, David and Celia. They're great. So, yeah, I, I think. And then join your association. And very quickly you build up a network in my first year, you know, I had problems, which, you know, you will, you've got questions. You know, there's always someone to phone who's willing to come out and help you or give you some eggs if you think your hive's queenless. I mean, it's it's amazing. Yeah, that is, I mean, that's really important is that you find people. Because beekeepers like any hobby, right? Everybody's got mm. different opinion. And some, you know, you, you get to run, run into people that have got quite, strident opinions so you want to find yeah, people that's true <laughs> i've been really really diplomatic there but yeah so so you want to find people this is my rule right my rule i'm trying to beat around this my rule is find people that keep bees the way you'd want to keep bees and do it well right so if someone's giving you lots of advice you find they've got two dead hives at the bottom of their garden they probably take their advice with a a pinch of salt but if you go and I well, just don't listen to it yeah. at all <laughs> but if you go to someone and you, this is where going to other people's apries really you go to someone and and you really go on well with them and they've got five really strong hives and the, the type of bees you like and they're using the same sort of equipment you like 
build up your own network of contacts and friends that because it's a social thing right beekeeping because you can only do it in the summer mm. in the winter you need something else to do but and then you you'll always have people that are on the same wavelength than you and they won't be lecturing you how to do it better because it, this is quite a, some beekeepers be quite preachy yeah so build that network of people that are kind of in tune with you and then you can go to so in the winter beekeeping courses associations run loads of talks there's loads of you yeah, can go to loads of conferences. Days. So you can get a really... They do some great stuff, yeah. actually. And you'll find as, as you develop, you'll develop different ways of keeping bees, but you'll, you'll have a foundation. You'll know, you'll know how to do it one way, and then you can move into other ways. Um, I've seen people start with beehives that are quite complicated to use and get all sorts of problems with it because they don't have that foundational knowledge. And it only takes you two or three seasons to get to the point where you can control the bees, you can inspect them, you can do a swarm control, and then you can go and try and do things that, that when you first start. So when I first started, grafting was a it was a magical sort of mystical thing that you had to be some sort of beekeeping ninja to do. And then when I actually went and learned, I thought, oh, this is really easy. So I just think, find a, join an association, find people within that association that you can develop a circle of friends around who keep bees the way you want to keep bees and they're good at it and learn from them and then you can branch out and you can do other things. Mm. And I think that, yeah, definitely that's the, that's the kind of picture that you're going into. I also think that you should think about what kind of hives you want, it, like, wh where you're going to keep your bees, how many hives you want and what you want them to look like. So if you want pretty traditional hives, you need to start with those. You know, a, a friend of mine has them in her garden and it was really important to her that they looked pretty and traditional. Okay, I don't. that's not a priority for me. Um, maybe if I could see them from my house. <laughs> I would care about that. So it's just being realistic. I mean, that that is okay. It's okay to say I want a beehive that is a, an attractive feature in my garden. But, you know, if, if you want to do that, you know, don't go out and buy, a, a, you know, a jumbo <laughs> national <laughs> and like, with a flat roof, yeah. you know. You can get really nice roofs now for the British I ones. Know. But no, they, they, you can't put them flat on the ground. Though, exactly. So. so that's a really interesting yeah. point. So, um, yeah, so, for example, the traditional WBC highs that look like the postcard ones with the sort of pagoda looks. Yeah. What people don't realise is that that, they're a, that is a, that's a cover. So, so they, 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 they're called lifts, and you put them around the hive. So the hive's actually inside a, cut, a sheath of wood, mm. and you need somewhere to store all that extra woodwork. So people go, I want, I want one of those hives. There are hives. a lot of bits to a yeah. WBC. <laughs> Essentially, you need twice as much space to keep them because you've got twice as many boxes. Mm. Um, and the, the, the gabled roofs as well. So um, I was keeping bees at, for someone else's bees at allotment, and they, they bought the gabled roofs because they look pretty. Mm. But I hate them because practically your point is that when I inspect a hive, I take the roof off and I lay it flat on yeah. the floor and they use Upside it like a little down, table. Yeah. Gable roofs, you can't. So this is the important. So what, what do you saying. stack your supers on? You know, when you're when you're inspecting. You know, I. Yeah. yeah. So this is <laughs> this is the importance of of actually seeing how other people keep their bees before you go and make the investment in in the equipment because mm. 
they'll tell you things like that. Because someone says to me, I want a gabled roof, as people have, I say to them, I point out that you can't lie it flat. It's not stopping them doing it. I just go, well, if you do that, what you see we're doing here, using it as a table, you can't do that. And some people still buy them because they like the way they look, but they know that's something they They're won't be able to do. They're expensive as well for the national hives. Again, you know, that is an expensive, like we were saying, everything is expensive, but the gabled roof for a national hive is expensive. It looks ni- it looks nicer, but it's to me it's not practical. I couldn't live with them. But like I said, aesthetics are less important to me, although I have painted all my hives now, and they look amazing. I know purple they're just they look really nice um but I do it every year now though yeah that's fine that's fine <laughs> um when's your third year <laughs> bloody box he's got paint I know, I know I how know. did you paint did you paint with a roller or with a brush with a brush i do things proper proper geezer yeah um so i think you know as well as deciding you, you've got to have this picture in your head of what you want from beekeeping, why you want to do it, everything we've just said. The other thing is about getting your bees. Where do you get them from? Because you can put your name down with your local association for a swarm. I got a swarm. Did you? Is that yeah. how you started? So I, I, I w- yeah, so I went to the uh, APRI meeting, so I'm sitting there, and uh, our chairman said, oh, I've got to go pick a swarm up after this. Do you want it? Oh, yeah, okay. So I went with him, and it was... <laughs> God, that was a bit into the deep end. Off I went. Yep. Uh, drove over there because our chairman doesn't drive. So pulled the stuff in the back of my car, drove over to this guy's house. Very nice chap. Uh, and he had a swarm hanging from uh, an apple tree about, I don't know, nine foot off the ground. And then we spent about two hours trying to shake this thing. We, we had a – so we started off with a, um, a bucket on a pole. <laughs> So and then the pole broke, so we couldn't use the bucket. And then you we couldn't had, cut it. No, no, because it was too high. It was on a branch. It was on a branch as thick as your as thick as your leg. It was That's just pretty thick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was a good simile. So, but anyway, so um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So then we went. Uh, then we got a ladder. It wasn't long enough. Uh, and then eventually we shook enough off so you could see them. So when you capture a swarm, you can see them fly. You know you've got the queen. Mm-hmm. And it took about two or three hours. But that was my first bees, and they were lovely. They were really calm and gentle. And, were they swarmy? Um, I don't know. It's hard to say because they were my first bees. So they yeah. they they, yeah, okay. they went into swarm mode, but I couldn't say they were more or less swarmy. It's the only thing that c- would concern me about getting a swarm is that you might be getting swarmy bees. Yeah, but you don't know, do you? How do you know? Well, you could buy a nuke instead. Well, how do you know they're not swarmy? True, true enough. But at least I know people say that I oh, don't collect swarms because you're collecting swarmy bees. Oh no, no. Listen, I'd, I'd, I'd I never had a swarm. I find collecting swarms collecting the swarm isn't but isn't as bad as some of the people you have to collect them from. Who. <laughs> So it sounds really ungrateful, doesn't it? But I, I, I did go to try and collect a swarm once, and it was made 20 foot up in the air in a tree. And yeah, I, said I don't like the height. You've got to just And I said, let I, him go. I can't collect that. Like, bear in mind, it's free. Why not? Well, it's too high in the tree. I mean, I don't have a ladder, and actually you wouldn't be able to do it with a ladder anyway. I'd have to get some sort of cherry picker. What's going to happen to them? And you explain, like, the swarms mm. go away eventually. They just move. and uh, Into someone's chimney. He got very annoyed. Like like I was doing it People for a living. People don't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. 
and you don't yeah you're no. not a I've got a job and this isn't my job and yeah you're not paying me and I've come and looked at it and I've told you I don't really want to kill myself collecting a swarm of bees by hanging off a tree 20 no. it's not like I'm built for climbing trees no, well no. few people are let's face I'm not, it yeah you know, I'm not spider-man so you know I kind of avoid collecting swarms because you should have some of those spikes what tree spikes yeah or just spikes to like that you, you strap around like stirrups for climbing trees that people use to climb trees. Actually, that would be, yeah, that's a great idea. But I, I, don't, I don't collect them from trees. <laughs> I've got I'm not. you shimmying up a tree now like a ninja. <laughs> um, I, I love collecting swarms. I find it very exciting because you, I like collecting you them never know what you're going to get. But not when they're high, I won't do it because so, I'm not built for climbing trees. I think, I think the argument against using swarms as a first-time beekeeper, mm. so the argument for them is they're free. Or yes. so, some associations charge for them, but nowhere near the amount. Nowhere near what you would if you're buying a nuke. Some yeah. of the arguments against them are they might be swarmy, which I've never really bought into because all bees swarm. So, you know. Not all bees. But we won't argue okay. the toss we right now. We won't have a fight. We'll argue um, that later. So the case for swarms is uh, they're, they're free or very low cost, so some associations charge for it. Uh, the case against using swarms if you new is A, they might be swarmy, which may or may not be true. We're not going to fight about that. Um, and B, you may know, not know the temperament you get. Some people also say they come with disease and stuff. I was going to say, and C, yeah, they could potentially have varroa diseases. They're going to have varroa. Well, they, but, well, like heart, but you know, higher yeah. than you I, want. I, I've never had all the swarms I've had. I've never had a swarm that was, you know, born with disease. I've had some that weren't particularly nice bees. So, Well, I've bought nukes that haven't been particularly nice yes. bees. So, so swarms are good because it, it also is, is, if you go and collect them, it's quite a good introduction to collecting swarms for beekeeping. Yeah. Because one of the good things about collecting swarms is you get to feel like Chuck Norris. <laughs> So you go into someone's garden and they're all, they're all looking behind the window and you kind of wander out in your T-shirt yeah. with a box. You put, you put it under the high, you know, especially it's nice and low. You, you put your box un, under your uh, under your sword. You shake your bees, they all drop in a box, you close it, you walk back. And what you really want is explosion behind you and some smoke. <laughs> <laughs> but they, people are like, how do you do that? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you just think, I'm God, Chuck I don't Norris. know. <laughs> I saw this T-shirt actually online which – had a picture of a beekeeper and then it said, I do all my own stunts. <laughs> and I thought that is true. When you're a beekeeper, you know, everything from the falling over to collecting swarms is you all. Do. They, they, yeah. they, yeah, you go there and it's, it's all, they're, all, they're all standing behind yeah. the window looking at With you. With all the doors and windows yeah, closed. Yeah. and yeah. With a tennis racket just in case. <laughs> yeah, you get to feel like Chuck Norris for a day. It's great. It, yeah, no, it's true. But, I mean, they say... I, well, I, like I said, I've never how, um, hived a swarm, but put them in there with the frames and foundation, let them start drawing the wax. Feed them. Uh, yeah, let them draw the wax yeah. first, and then apparently that will get out any bad yeah. stuff that they've got with them. And then after a few days, you can start feeding them. I've, I've never had a swarm with disease. No, I know people say, but it may they happen, are out there. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could just say there was like foul brood or something that would be the, or even the spores. So the the other, th- so one of the downsides of the other downsides of the swarm, you can't really guarantee when you're going to get them. 
So if you've mm. joined a, an association, so there's some really large association in the southeast of England, they may get 50, 60 people join a year. Uh, a couple of years ago, when it was very humid, bees just didn't stop swarming. I think we got to the point where we had more swarms than we knew what to do with because they just would not stop swarming. For some years, you may not get any swarms. So you can't really guarantee when you can start beekeeping. And if you've bought the kit and it's sitting in your garden and you, you keep looking at it, you kind of And get everyone bit, else has got bees yeah. and you haven't. So that's that's the uh, that's the plus side for buying a nucleus of bees because you're you can pretty much guarantee like now, I guess if you're buying nucleuses now, you'd ordered one last year, they're probably ready the end of April. Yeah. So you can go pick them up in a box, get a free nuke, great. Pick them up in yeah. the box, go back. Free, but you're paying for it, a lot of money. <laughs> It's included in the, in the price. <laughs> and then you can go back and you can um, buy them. In the, so packages never used to be a thing over here, but I've noticed they've started to be a thing. I, I personally buy a nuke with the frames, buy bees on frames. They just, I don't know, I'm not quite fan I'd of never buy a package. In fact, I, my personal opinion, I, I am against packages. Why? Well, I think it's it's a very distressing concept because – you know, like when you get a swarm or a nuke, that is a cohesive colony. And, well, a nuke is supposed to be cohesive. And what I mean by that is the bees in a swarm or in the nuke are supposed to be the offspring of that queen. Yes. So, therefore, they work as a unit and the queen substance uh, keeps the colony together. If you buy a package, it's just a bucket of bees with a, queen with a random box. queen thrown in, in a, in a wire cage. And I... I looked at buying packages last year because I didn't fully understand what they were. Um, so there are no frames in a package. No. It is just literally a wire box of bees. It's a swarm in a box. Yeah, exactly. That's basically what it is. Um, and they're, I don't think, it, I mean, I'm, I don't know if they're produced in the UK. The ones I've seen are there imported. There are a couple now people are starting to do it in the UK. Mm. Because I think the reason they're popular is you can send them through the post. Yeah, and you shake them into a box um, and, and let them like shake them into a box of frames and foundation or maybe a couple of pieces of drawn comb and let them get on with it. But I just, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel right. I mean, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a touchy feely beekeeper, but. No, Tracy, you're not. <laughs> I, you know, they're, they're not my pets, although I, I do love them. I really love Tracy, them. <laughs> patrolling, patrolling. <laughs> That's terrible. Patrolling their bee yard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get to work. You out. Um, so, but, but I, I just don't. There's to me, it feels like there's something wrong with that. Um, it's not natural. So, uh, you know, of of the three options, I would say swarms and nukes viable options. Yeah. The thing I like about a nuke is that you could see the bees and find out more about them before you actually yeah. buy them. So you. As you say, you do know what you're getting, but obviously the major downside is it costs yeah. a lot. Course, How much is a nuke now? Two hundred pounds. Two hundred pounds. Yeah, for a six frame nuke. Yeah, you can buy the uh, now they do extendable nukes. You buy a double, so what's that? Twelve and frame, supers 12 for them and everything. Yeah, no, but you can buy twelve mm. frame nukes. So basically, oh, yeah, 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 double stack nukes. Well, that's what I bought last yeah. year. And yeah. So, and the, the other good thing, if you buy nukes from uh, a reputable queen breeders, and actually you're lucky in, in, in where we live, there's three or four 
sort of commercial operations that do that. And what you get is you get free support. So they'll tell you how to put them in a hive. You can ring up and if you've got any problems, you'll ring up and they'll be more, more than happy to talk to you over the phone. But the great thing about Nukes is if you're a beginner, you pretty much know when you're going to get them within a few weeks. Yeah. So if you order if you order a Nuke a year before, which we'll get to in a minute, you'll get an email in April saying, well, you come and get them in like three weeks' time to tell us when you want to turn up. The, the, key, the other key thing about Nukes is, though, you have to order them early because they sell out. They really sell out. I, I, I mean, now, I think if you were trying to buy a Nuke now, you wouldn't be able to do it. So really, the bizarrely, the best time to start beekeeping is in the winter. So you can do all your training. I did. I did my course started in February. I remember sitting in the apiary. They call it the apiary uh, heart, but really it's a shed. Uh, sitting there, really cold feet. <laughs> it was cold and miserable. Um, but you've got the whole of the winter to actually buy the kit, make it, research where you want to, if you want to buy bees, where you buy it for, place an order. So when you get to spring, you're kind of ready to go. You can go and do the refresh yeah. a bit. So bizarrely, the best time to start beekeeping is in the winter when you've got no bees because then it gives you plenty of time to order the stuff. And then because you'll learn, once you start beekeeping, the cardinal sin is to run out of equipment. So you kind of want to make sure you've got the minimum, a hive, and something to put more bees in, like mm. a nuke, because when they start to swarm, you run out of kit. So I think that's right, actually. You start with a hive and a pollen nuke. Yeah, at least, at least yeah. one, probably two. Yeah. Depending on what your bees are like. But just back to what you were saying about winter, um, I teach for our association the basic assessment I'm course doing that this year. every year. I need to get you enrolled, actually. You need to come to my presentations. Great. That'll be exciting, won't it? Um, and Is there tea and cake? No, there's whiskey. Um, <laughs> They're not that bad, surely. <laughs> <laughs> you drunk. No, just for me. <laughs> <laughs> but what I would what I would say from teaching that, um, for a few years, you can really tell the difference between people who have done a course over winter and people who haven't. Some people, you know, I mean, you have to be, have been keeping bees for a year in order to do it. But some people so it's have probably done worth explaining that, what the BBBK basic is. The British Beekeeping Association runs, thank you, Paul, a series of um, exam modules which are, I think they're really, really good yeah, and I learned a lot. Right. Yeah. So, but in order to do Short. the various modules, you have to do this thing called the basic assessment, which is a practical assessment. An examiner comes and watches you um, do a hive inspection and um, asks you questions. And according to the syllabus, there is a syllabus for this. Um, and even if you don't want to actually do the exam, I think it's a really, really useful thing to do because it just kind of helps you realise you're on the right track. Um, and you, you kind of tell, you can tell the difference between the people who've done the course before they started. If I get people coming who've been keeping bees for 12 months and been learning off the hoof, they, they're not so kind of confident and settled as people who did the course first. I mean, I, that's, look, that's a generalisation, but I, that's, that's what I would say. Um, just also back to nukes, that's the benefit of joining your association and getting to know beekeepers because um, it is virtually impossible to get a nuke now. As you say, they've sold out. But if you meet someone who might have a nuke um, 
you know, I'm starting to make them up now just to relieve the congestion in the hives. If you meet someone and you like the way they beekeep and you like their bees, you might be able to buy a nuke from them. I'll be given free. I was going to say, yeah. like, I've, I've, given, I've given a number of them away to people who I know will love them. That's the paradox of beekeeping. When you start, you can't get enough bees. And when you, as you, once, you, once you get established, mm. you can't get rid of them quick enough because mm. you're just having this endless, in swarm season, you just end up. I mean, I, I, I've run out of kit before with swarms. Yeah, I know. And then you end up, no, no. they're on the ground and you yeah. <laughs> that colony is doing so well. But anyway, that's another story. But I think, you know, it's just worth saying that I'm saying this stuff from the point of view of living in the southeast. So I'm talking about my networks and what I've got locally. And I mean, it. it might vary around the country, but, you know, the local associations are always there. There are loads of them. Yeah. And they're good. So be and also be active in your association. So mm. one of the things I I never used to do, but I do now, is go to the winter meetings. Don't go to all of them because some of them are not really interested. How to present honey? Don't care. How to make candles? Oh, I can't believe care. you've said that. Oh, bizarrely, when I went to it, it was great. It was one the, the honey one or the candles one. No, I don't care about candles. Oh, I was going to say the honey one, yeah. The Powder Percent Honey was uh, done by one of the people from the Bee Farmers Association, and I thought... I oh, thought, I went to that one. And I thought... Oh, was it Margaret? Yes. And I thought, yeah. oh, I don't really want to yeah, go and great. watch how you present honey. But actually, it was more about types of honey. Than, yeah, that she was did a, a tasting, yeah. didn't she? That was, that was fantastic. Right, this is what chestnut honey tastes like. This is what, I'd be interested in what dandelion honey tastes like. Yeah. So... The winter meeting is really good. So, and you learn some. So, what you, what generally that is is that local associations get uh, experts in on a sp- specific topic. So, some of the ones I really enjoyed. I enjoyed. Um, I've forgotten her name. How terrible! Who's the lady from Epsom? Liz. Disney. Yeah. So she did. A, she used to be the chair of Epsom. She did a, uh, a talk on one box beehiving or so-called rose method, where you keep all your bees in the mm. same size box and using foundation. So she keeps all her bees in supers. Mm. It's brilliant. And and I thought, right, I'm going to try that. And I tried it, and it's really good fun. Um, so a really good talk about bee space. Yeah, that's fascinating. Really isn't about it? you know mm. pay attention when you build your boxes. Mm. By real attention and the way you put your queen excluders on and crown boards, even. yeah, yeah, that yeah. was really. So mm. you can you can you can pick and choose, but generally they're really good, and you get to meet other beekeepers. And um, one of the good things I like about beekeeping associations is a bit like living in the fifties. Wherever you go, there's sandal teas and cake. It's really. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I love? Tea and cake. Every associations tend to have a honey show. Yeah, yeah, and like when you win a prize. The prize money is like 50p yeah. or 75p. And I. And you get a certificate. I just love, like, I love it. I, It's so old fashioned. It's comforting. It's well, lovely. I don't know if, yeah, but yeah. No, I'm with you. So, do the association. The other thing is, um, there are just so many books on beekeeping. Yeah, I was going to ask you. So, what's your favorite what beekeeping books? book then? Okay. So, in terms of when I started, yeah. I, I love. The Ted Hooper, A Guide to really? Bees okay. and Making... Guides to Bees and Honey. That's it. I remember being in the bath and just reading it and reading it. And, re- and I still do get it out and read it. I keep it in my car sometimes because, I mean, it's all that kind of... dangerous. <laughs> what? Read a bee book in your car and you drive it along. No, no. For reference, when I'm at my apiary, <laughs> Paul. Um, it's, 
in some ways it's kind of, yeah, it's that old-fashioned thing. Maybe it's not as up-to-date. But that, I mean, it isn't. I guess it's just classic. They provide it's a classic. For, for yeah. Oh, yeah, they have, yeah. Um, but also I love the way he writes. It's very matter-of-fact and humorous, and it kind of reminds you that actually, you know, while we love bees and they, you know, are the kind of fixation of our lives at the moment, um, they are just bees. <laughs> and, you know, don't get too serious about this. It, I mean, it was, it was, it is great. It's great for a, for information and a reality check. Um, the other one I read was Bees at the Bottom of the Garden. I've got that, yeah. Which is Alan Campion and Gay Hodgson, um, which I thought was really good. And, you know, it was when I first got them. It's, it, you know, it does exactly what it says on the tin. It talks about what it's like keeping a hive in the garden, getting stung, all that kind of stuff. Um, so those would be the, the two that... I like the Haynes, H-A-Y-N-E-S. Oh, do you? Beekeeping Manual. It's a bigger form book and it's kind of... It looks a bit gimmicky because it, it's made to look like one of those car maintenance manuals. Oh, I, oh sorry. I was confused. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm but with it's you. Really, what I like about it is it's very structured. So when, when you start and you go, right, oh, no, they're going to swarm. I'm seeing queen cells. What do I do? And someone will say, oh, do a split or do an artificial swarm. You think, well, what's that? You go to that manual and there's a chapter on artificial swarms with pictures. And it's just yeah. really easy to locate. Like the Ted Hooper is oh, very much good. a um, – so, for example, Ted Hooper book, I agree, it's really good content. Mm, but it's, but it's not – It's, it's, a it's not visual yeah. at all. It's a textbook no. with a Hayes book. That's true. Very visual. So it's – yeah, you know, this is what a swarm cell looks like. This is what you should do, and it's got nice and easy pictures. And if you want to like, like how to make up nukes, we go and make a nuke, and then you say, "Well, how do you do that?" And I go, well, you know, frame a brood, frame a pollen. And you think, well, okay, I don't really understand. Go there, got a little picture, color coded in what you can do. Oh, okay, I'll do it that way. So I like the Haynes book for beginners because, in fact, I'd recommend that one because it's just really. I've never seen, I've seen it. At, it's deep enough, so it's not I've superficial. Never, I've never read it. Some, there's a I, 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 the first book book I got on beekeeping was the National Trust Honey Bee Book, little little yeah. yellow book. Looks pretty on the shelf. But it's yeah. really superficial. It's basically yeah, you get bees, you put them in a boat box boat. That's <laughs> it. Put them in a boat. That's where you're going wrong, Paul. <laughs> yeah, keeping bees in this boat isn't working. <laughs> um, Puff the smoke in there occasionally, and then take the honey off. That's essentially essentially it was arguing that you get a high with a it's a flow hype, right? A high with a tap on the back. Um, the Hayes book is deep enough, so pretty much anything you want to do mm. in your first few years of beekeeping, you can do in that book. So how to, mm. how to make a hive, how to fill it with bees, how to split it, how to make it nuke, how to raise you know, raise queens by um, splitting. It's, mm. it's got all the – and it, it's nice big form fact. It's not – it's not like you can take it in your pocket and take it to the apiary with you because it's quite a it's A4 size. I like yeah. that book. I thought that book was good. They are very practical. It's like a manual, isn't it? For, yeah. Whereas it's true, the Ted Hooper book is – textbook. It is – it yeah. But the way he writes is not – it's not heavy. It's, no, no, it's not heavy. It's just really informative. But I guess like now, I mean, obviously anything by Thomas Seeley. I love reading. Um, and also Celia Davis. Have you read any of her books? They're just lovely, lovely books. Um, there's one called The Honeybee Around and About. Um, there's a lot of bee biology and plant biology oh, okay. in there, which is so interesting. I've got so many bee books now. That's the other thing. I yeah. Just, just stack of bee books. So I think those, the Hooper one's really good if you want a detailed book. 
Um, I think the Haynes is good if you just start it and you just want it looks a bit I think put puts people off, it looks a bit gimmicky because it's it's a big, big form book. Is it a man's book? No. What's a man's book? Beans you know. and bikinis on it. I don't know. <laughs> you talked about like you said it was like a car manual. Looks like a car so manual. Sorry, just a bit yeah. of sexism in there. Sorry about that. Um yeah, but actually the <laughs> the Hooper book. Um the Hooper book, the reason I like it is because I like to understand why. So if I need to understand the theory behind the concept yes. or else, I, I, you know, I find it kind of hard to just do things because that's what – I'm not saying that's what your no, low-key bee really book – section in, uh, in how bees cluster in the winter was really interesting. Yeah. Like how they uh, climb inside the cells and things. Okay. And, I mean, also can I – I mean, you'll, you'll say you've got more information about online stuff than I have, but you don't even have to – I mean, it's lovely if you can buy a few books because, mm. you know, it just feels so special. But I use um, the Base website a lot. There's loads yeah. on there and they publish all the booklets on all of the diseases and things that you need to know. And they tell you how to do various manipulations like shook swarming and whatever. Well, the queen rearing method I make I yeah, use, abs- is off BeeBase. Yes, Bees-based. you were it's saying that. So, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, so, yeah online. Mm. <laughs> So I think the, the, BBK, the British Beekeepers Association Forum is very good. Is very good. You've got some really so I think expert beekeepers. My bizarrely, as somebody who works online, my opinion of online is um, it's just generally the internet. People find it easier to be to misunderstand what you said and then be really opinionated and think make you feel like oh, I'm doing something awful. And if you're a beginner, um, sometimes asking questions online isn't the best thing because you just get told you're doing it wrong. So if you're going to mm. use online resources, especially forums, things like the BBKA forum is really good because it's really well moderated. It's, this is specifically there to help beekeepers. So uh, you'll find lots of people in the beginner section there who only post there to help beginners. So the advice is really nice. It's given to you in a way. It's like, I'll oh, try this, look at this, go and look at this resource. YouTube's really good as well. Because you can actually see, yeah, actually YouTube is see good. things. Because um, beekeeping is quite a visual art. To learn it, you kind of there's some there's lots of theory, but seeing how someone does a shook swarm, seeing how someone does a split, seeing how someone works um, the hives, and there's some really good talks. And my favourite talk is the Mike Palmer's Sustainable Apiary one. Uh, Randy, I've sent you that. You've watched it, have I? Yeah. I'm writing it down. We talked about in case. Uh, Oh Ra- yeah, yeah, yeah. Randy okay. Oliver does some really good ones. He does one on uh, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's how to be a beekeeper. Where he talks about yeah. how to inspect a hive in such a way that they don't try to sting you to death. So some really good talks on uh, YouTube for like hour long takes, and people send a video, everything. Uh, beekeepers Corner, their website, they they record all their beekeeping association meetings. It's really useful. Um, some good forums out there. Um, the UK government's bee base site, like you say, is really good. Mm. BBKA. That's that's the um, website of the National Bee Unit. Yeah, it's really, really, yeah. So reassuring. generally, if you, if you're starting out and you know next to nothing, get a group of people near you that you trust, and when you go online, um, just learn to not take it seriously <laughs> there are a couple of forums which i think are to be avoided online forums and obviously i'm not going to say yeah. what they are but i would stick with the bbka 
Yeah, I've seen some where the beginners section is just horrendous. It's just, just, they can be quite opinionated and unfriendly and discouraging. So, um, yeah, the BBKA is much more about fostering the art and craft of beekeeping. (laughs) That is what I think what their mission is. I think to to summarise our little thing about our sort of slightly rambling Alexa interrupted conversation about uh, how to start beekeeping, join a local association, take a course, uh, buy yourself one or two good books, find beekeepers that you like as people who keep bees how you'd like to keep it and learn from them. Uh, if you go online, have a really good filter and don't take it all entirely seriously. Learn a, learn the basics first before you get enamoured by different concepts, different ways of different types of hives. Because mm. you've got loads of time. It's a lifetime hobby. So if you want to mm. try five different types of hives do that after you've learned to manage one type of hive. Um, and I think lastly, probably as we'd all, as you probably understand from this podcast is it doesn't go smoothly. It is one of those hobbies where it's highs and lows. It's so, challenging. Yeah. So at the moment it's really nice. Like at the moment it's spring, all the colonies are really building up. It's lovely. Um, but we might find in three or four weeks time, we're getting really bad weather and it will swarm in and <laughs> it's, it's horrendous. So it's ups and downs. And that's where this network of friends and local associations is helpful because if mm. you get in trouble in this hobby, if you've got beekeeping friends will always help you come and inspect hives, move hives. I mean, we've done it, can help people move, mm. move hives. Also I'm not taking hives out of 20 foot trees, but that's it. So <laughs> I think, is there anything else you want to add to that? As a hobby, I can thoroughly recommend it, but it can become an obsession very easily. <laughs> it's fascinating and wonderful. Yes. So there we go. That's that's. I think we'll we'll uh, we might even hit our goal of not going over two hours. Three time. hours. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. So um, thank you very much for listening. As always, um, please do read our show notes at which you can find at thebeehivejive.com slash four, episode four. Um, if you enjoyed the show, please do consider subscribing. We'd love that. And if you're already subscribed, maybe consider dropping us a review. That would be wonderful. Um, and obviously you can chat to us on Twitter at the Beehive Jive. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you again soon. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. The other argument is you don't know the temperament of the bees you're getting, whereas if you buy them... So East Surrey bees, for example, their bees are quite famous for being... It's Alexa talking. (laughs) Did you hear that? (laughs) Shut up, Alexa.
Hang what on. did you say? I don't know. <laughs> got to go. Oh, pause it. <laughs> <laughs> did you say 